So I'll tell you how, how scared I am, actually, as a human being. I played Little League growing up. And uh, from when I was really little, when it was T-ball, you know, and then as I started, get, I got older and older, and um, the ball starts get going faster as you get older. And so uh, I was about uh, 12 years old. We had moved from New Jersey to California, and I played for a team called Scott's Mobile. And it was, a, it was an Exxon Mobil station. Of course, back then it wasn't Exxon Mobil. It was just mobile. Um, and, uh, uh, and it was owned by, I don't know, Michael Scott or something. But it's called Scott's Mobil. And that's what was on our hat and everything. And so one day, I, I remember this. As clear, it was in Altadena, California. I stood up at the plate. And uh, this other 12-year-old on the mound had a beard. Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, man, this isn't right. And I could have sworn his kids were in the stands going, go get him, daddy. You know. <laughs> and so I was sitting there and I guess he pitched it because they said strike, but I never saw the ball. And so I, I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. And I realized I didn't see the ball because I had my eyes closed. Because <laughs> I was so scared of the ball. Right? I was so, I was so f- frightened. And so... Uh, you know, in the in, between innings, uh, the infield and the outfield throw, you know, kind of warm-up throws to each other because baseball is really slow. And, uh, and so the center fielder threw me the ball, and I, I, it was over my head. And so I pretended that I fell back and hurt my shoulder because I didn't want to go back up to the plate and, like, face LeBron James. Uh, uh, <laughs> On, on the mound. So I had, so I pretended, you know, I don't know how you pretend, you know, you, your shoulders dislocated or whatever. And the, the, the coach says, okay, well, listen, um, we really need you. So just stand up at the plate and do the best you can. And now I've got to follow this thing through, right? Like I got to fake like my shoulder hurts, you know? And, uh, so that was my last baseball game. Uh, uh, Thank, thank the Lord. And so what they ended up giving you was uh, at the end of the year, um, uh, I, got a, I got a trophy that shows I participated in baseball, right? You know, they say nowadays everybody gets a trophy. Actually, so did I. I, I when I was 12, I got a participation trophy. Um, it's, it's a picture of this guy with a beard. And uh, uh, no, I... I drew that on. I'm just playing. Um, and so we get this participation trophy. But the problem was... I didn't really participate. I wasn't really invested. I didn't like, I liked catching high flies. That was fun. I liked looking at the ground and seeing if there were worms. And I liked all that stuff. But the actual like participation, stand at the plate and try to hit that ball. I just was not, it was not me and I didn't enjoy it. And I got a trophy, but I really didn't participate that much. Here's what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, there are lots of people, Christians, who have the hat and the jersey and they belong to the team, but they're just not participating. And this isn't going to be a guilt trip, okay? So you're just like, oh man, I shouldn't have come to church this morning. You know me better than that. I don't, I don't do that stuff. Um, What I want to do, hopefully, by the end of today, is paint a picture of what it looks like to really participate in the kingdom of God. 
So it's not to guilt you into, uh, although, although uh, I, will, I will pre-warn you, I'm going to be talking about children's ministry a lot, okay? So it's, it's my number one thing, and so I just, just don't, don't uh, read too much into it, or do. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to be talking about that. But I'm going to be talking about all sorts of ways you participate in the kingdom of God. You're doing it right now. Just, just get, like we say it all the time, just to get up, get dressed, and get here, that is an act of worship to your Heavenly Father. That's, we, we could all be in bed right now. Uh, we could all be watching football right now. We could be, all be doing that. But, but you chose to make that decision. And so what I want to do is open your eyes a little bit more to see if there are some other places in your life that you can't maybe take a step that you wouldn't have taken Otherwise, And I also want to show you, hopefully by the end of the day, that I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, or I don't care if you're even at a place where you might not even know any part of the Bible, you are still qualified to be a worker in kingdom work. And so those are my, those are my goals, and we'll see how well I do. And at the end, if we have time, I'll, I'll show you a couple of other verses from the Apostle Paul. But we're in the book of Luke. If you want to check it out, it's um, Luke uh, chapter um, 10, starting in verse 1. And let me just give you a little prequel, a little thing that's what's been going on. Jesus had just had a whole bunch of really awkward and strong conversations with some people. So one person came up to Jesus, and he's with his disciples and everything, and then he's, he's like, yeah, I, 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 Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus basically says this, foxes have holes and birds have nests. I sleep on the ground. Okay, like I have no place to lay my head. And what he's doing is he's, he's presenting this idea that you're not just joining a little league team when you follow Jesus. That it's more serious than that. That in fact you may be called to be a first responder as it relates to somebody in spiritual need. As it relates to somebody who is maybe just a, a, a small baby in, in their faith. You might be called to do that. And so he says that. One guy says, um, oh, I'm going I'm to follow you, but my dad's dying. And I'm gonna, we're going to first bury my dad, and then I'll, I'll be good. And uh, Jesus basically says, uh, let dead people bury dead people. You follow me. Like, he's serious about this. He has three of these, three of these conversations. And he also got, he got the disciples in trouble. Jesus was on his way in this, in this particular text. He's on his way to Jerusalem because he knows he's going to die. And they send some disciples on the way to kind of set everything up. And some people were like, we don't, we don't want Jesus here. And so the disciples come back to Jesus. <laughs> this is so typical disciples. They come back to Jesus and they go, do you want us to rain fire down on those towns? And Jesus essentially goes, Will you be quiet? Like he, he rebukes his, his disciples uh, because they're all about raining fire down. Isn't that great? I'm glad they didn't have Twitter back then. I don't know what Peter would be tweeting. Uh, so, so you've got this, this really incredible sense of what it costs to be a disciple. And like how serious is it for the kingdom of God to move forward and how much it really takes so it's kind of surprising to me that we're in Luke 10 and this first verse, verse 1, um, says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them. 
When we think about Jesus and the disciples, we think about Jesus and the 12, right? And Peter walks on water and, you know, there's doubting Thomas and James and John, what they call the sons of thunder, and everybody's awesome and they do healings and they're around Jesus all the time. But it turns out that Jesus incorporates these 72 nameless, faceless people to do his kingdom work. What it means to me is it's great to have pastors, and don't get me wrong, some of my best friends are pastors. Um, it, it's great to have people on the board. It's great to have children's ministry directors. Great to have youth ministry directors. There's some directors of missions, and there's people who work in all sorts of different places around the globe. We have Don Rogers was here. It's great to have Don Rogers. But it's really really awesome to have the 72. It's really, really awesome to have the others. The ones that maybe the day before, nobody knew their name. Maybe the day before, maybe they just kind of joined Jesus. We don't know. We don't know where they came from. But what I want to show you this morning is where they're going. Because it's pretty amazing. And we get some really great kingdom principles. Now, when you read a gospel like this, it's a narrative, okay? And so you have to be careful when you read the Bible that what Jesus did as it describes it, it doesn't mean he's prescribing this is how you do it every time. Does that make sense? You just have to be careful. There's a, I know a guy, he says, well, Jesus sat to teach and he rose to preach. And so that's what I do. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but it's just like that, They're just describing that. This doesn't mean that every time you teach, you sit down, and every time you preach, you stand up. And so we just have to be careful. But what we can see are some really great kingdom principles that we can take right from here and go to work, go to home, go into our neighborhoods, uh, go into children's ministry. Um, Here, I told you, it's going to be all day. Okay. Okay. So he says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them. And here's how he did it. The first thing was he sent them two by two. And the, the fact of the matter is many of us alone don't feel worthy enough to do some type of kingdom ministry. But if you had a partner, if you had somebody that was joining with you, it might be easier because that person, it's now uh, two sets of eyes. I almost said four sets of eyes. Maybe you both wear glasses. I don't know. But uh, you have two sets of eyes and uh, you've got two different life experiences. You've got two ways to perceive things. And so Jesus sends these two out. As a matter of fact, in children's ministry, when you teach in children's ministry, you have a partner who is a aide, or maybe sometimes you'll team teach or whatever, but we try to get two people in there because it's just, it just makes it better when you're not on your own. Here's the second thing I find fascinating to me. They sent them two by two ahead of Jesus. So there's a gap between you arriving on the scene and beginning to do work There's a gap between that and when Jesus shows up. There's sometimes some work, maybe it's planting seeds or whatever it is, whatever type of language you want to use, and it takes some time for that to, to, to germinate, and then Jesus shows up. There might be times, long times of prayer where you're with people trying to help them through a situation that's very, very difficult, and you're faithful, and you keep going. 
And it just takes a while before Jesus shows up. So he sends them on ahead of him to every town and place. This is another very encouraging thing. You're probably already in your spot. That soccer team that your kid joined because of the, the draft or some random picking, that, that's your space, that's your place, that's where you're going to bring Jesus to. That class that you're taking, that's your place. Every town and place, it was all over. It didn't matter. It's not, the kingdom work is not just stuck here in the church. And then again, it reminds us that where he was about to go, he's on the move and he uses the others to accomplish his work. That's how he works. And then he does something really funny to me. Um, he tells them, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, there's a lot to do. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, that's what he asks. These. He pulls the 72, and he says, ask, ask them to send out workers. And so I'm sure they all sat around and went, oh, all right, well, we'll ask him. Uh, Dear you, um, by pray we find more workers. Okay, I don't know what the prayer looked like. But that was the whole thing. Just ask, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into whose harvest field is it? His. He knows where he needs you to go. There's some fields. We're not doing anything there right now. Your field's over there. Oh, I really, really love that. No, that's not your field right now. Your field's there. That's where the harvest is. That's where I need you. And so he sends them out. And then, so right after he tells them to pray, he just goes, Go. <laughs> get out of here. I'm sending you. And then he brings in kind of the boot camp type language. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That there's going to be a time probably, and we'll see in a little bit how to handle all that, that maybe the message you have or what you have to offer is not the thing that culture needs at that moment. Maybe you'll have some beliefs, some things that you now believe from the Bible um, that in certain circles where you used to, it used to be fine, now you're kind of backing off a little bit. And now as you show up to that place, you represent something different. He's like, that's okay. That's kingdom work. Sometimes you're not going to fit in to it. And he's like, that's how I'm sending you out. So watch what he does. He gives them some instructions. If you're telling me that uh, you're going to send me out to go to some towns and villages, I would, me personally, I would first get all my stuff ready. Because I wouldn't know, well, what if I can't get into a house? I'll need to get a tent. I'm going to need a tent and a sleeping bag. Now I'm going to need a backpack. I'll probably need some water. I'll probably need uh, some really good I'd go to REI is what I'm saying. I just, I just head straight there. Got a mission for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a Patagonia jacket. Okay. You're, you're getting all set up. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. We're not going to rely on your ability to prepare. We're not going to rely on your ability to pick what you need. We're not going to rely on your ability to map out where you're going, when you're going, who you're talking to, and what you're doing. That's not how the kingdom of God works. If you want to participate in the kingdom of God, here's what he says. Do not take a purse, because that would just look silly. No, that's not what he's saying. 
He's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you don't need to load up with cash. You don't need to worry about your finances as, as it relates to this trip. I'm going to take care of you. He says you don't need to bring a bag. Like where do I put my clothes? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. On these roads, they were very uneven and you'd wear out your sandals very quickly. So you'd think, well, if I'm going to go on a trip, I'd bring sandals. No, or sandals. Don't bring those either. And then he says this weird thing, and don't greet anyone on the road. <laughs> so you're like walking around, around. Someone's like, hey, John, how's it going? <laughs> Just walk right past him. I don't know. But, but no, this is don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't start to go, oh, maybe, maybe this guy. Maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Just go to the place I'm sending you. Don't, don't uh, greet anybody on the road. And then he goes into this language that would be very odd for you and I to talk like this. But remember, we're talking about Jesus 2,000 years ago in a, a very communal society. And um, uh, m- much, we're more individualistic and uh, isolationist and consumeristic. And so we wouldn't talk like this or, or do this kind of stuff. But the principles are the same. And I'll share them with you as we go through it. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If somebody who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Now, what he's, he's not saying that you have like a, like a peace fireball and you're like, Phew, and then it didn't, ah, oh, it's not doing it, and you got it back again. And you got this, this commodity of peace that you're like, you know, pa- passing around. The idea is this, don't waste time at places that aren't ready to receive it. So I have a friend, his, uh, he's a pastor in Alaska, actually. And um, so he's got these friends that he plays racquetball with. I almost said religiously, but that's a, that would be a terrible pun. Uh, that he plays with weekly, okay? Um, and so uh, they're, they're all non-believers, and he's a pastor. And so they start playing racquetball, and these guys come up to him and go, hey, hey, hey. We just want to get this out in the open right now. We don't want to talk about God. We want to play racquetball. I said, oh my gosh, what did you say? Like, what did you, like, like, I didn't say anything. Or we don't talk about God. We just play racquetball. That's, the, that's an example of, look, our job isn't to go in and force things onto people. Our job is to be the best Jesus we can be. I don't know if Jesus is good at racquetball, but I know that guy, and uh, he's a really good Jesus to be playing racquetball with. Um, and so, so it, it's not like you go and you get into people's faces, and if there's no person of peace there, if there's nobody who's ready, um, don't worry about it. It's not on you. We'll see that in just a little bit. And so just, you know, hey, peace be on this house, or I'm here, to, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, or whatever, and they're just like, yeah, we're not having any of it. Okay. Move, move, move on. It's, it's all right. Well, watch what he says, though. If you do stay there, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. And so it's almost like Jesus is saying this. Look, you're going to walk into situations unprepared. As a matter of fact, some, I'll talk to some Christians. They're wait, they've been waiting 40 years to be prepared. It's like you're already prepared. It's, you're, you're just going before Jesus arrives. 
You're just being the best Jesus you can be before Jesus gets there. And so people will learn and they'll read all these books and they'll go on this and this, and, but they're not doing anything. They're just, they're just feeding themselves information because they're, they're so worried about being prepared enough or to know enough or what if I'm embarrassed or whatever. Let me just tell you this. You will never know enough Bible to be the Holy Spirit, ever. And so oftentimes, sometimes we can learn so much because we're all, wait, I don't, don't want to do, I don't know if I'm going to be good enough. I don't even know that we miss out on so many great opportunities to just see Jesus show up. And so he says, just eat and drink whatever they give you. Just be a part of the culture. Be a part of, if, if, if you're used to flour tortillas in your tacos and they're having corn tortillas in the tacos, eat the corn tortillas. Don't make a big deal out of everything. And you, you have to understand in this society, there are dietary rules. It's like, don't worry about that right now. The kingdom of God is breaking through all those barriers. Then he says this, I love this. Do not move around from house to house. In other words, stay focused. You don't have to do all the kingdom work all around you. Go, go here and go there. And go. Stay focused. I'll give you an example. In children's ministry, um, we think about in terms of, you know, most of the time when I talk to people about children's ministry, either they're frightened of children for some reason or they're not even sure they have the faith to teach kids. Like what if the kids ask a question and I don't have the answer to it? Well, Welcome to parenthood. I, that's my, my whole parenting. I was being asked questions I didn't have the answer to. But, but, but imagine if you did this. <clears throat> you said, I'm going to take one week of Sunday. I mean, one, one, su- one Sunday a month. One week of Sunday. One Sunday a month to teach little kids about Jesus. And I don't move from house to house. I don't do this. I do, I do that for whatever that is, 13 weeks a year. Do you know how much kingdom impact you would have as you share Bible stories with little kids? It's, you can't count it. You think, well, that's not, I can't. I can't. That's hardly anything. It's 13 more weeks than you're doing now. It's great kingdom stuff there. It's great kingdom stuff. But if you just stay focused, sometimes we want to do so many different things. Jesus is like, just stay at one place and do it faithfully for a while. Can you do that? So, uh, um, and then he has these two things for you to do. And this is why I say everybody's prepared for this. Everybody in the sound of my voice, whether you just started out or you've been a Christian for 40 years, everybody can do this. He's got two things. First, heal the sick who are there. Now for us, this is a little different um, because he had given them the power to actually perform miracles, okay? And that's not necessarily our situation right now. I mean, we can. We can pray for people. But basically, all, all miracles were was bringing shalom, bringing peace, bringing wholeness, bringing restoration to that person. So when Jesus healed the paralytic, I, I hate to break the news to you, but that guy ended up dying, Okay, so he got healed. That just brought restoration. But the brokenness of the world kept going on and he probably died of something, you know, and, he, you know, that was a thing. It's just, it was just a manifestation of the kingdom of God in this person's life. When uh, somebody was born blind and then God had healed their blindness. It was just a manifestation. This is all it's saying. Bring healing to the places you're at. 
Bring healing. Maybe it's just sitting with somebody over a cup of coffee and you're just silent because they're going through a really, really tough time. You're doing your part to heal the sick who are there. Maybe it's calling up a friend. Maybe it's offering forgiveness to someone who's hurt you. That's all you're doing is you're bringing shalom. Maybe it's you're the only parent on the soccer team that doesn't scream at the ref. (laughs) Right? Maybe, Maybe that's it. Maybe you're the one who volunteers when somebody needs something done. You're the one who brought the groceries. That's all it's saying. Just bring healing to where you're going. You can do this any place you go at any time. It's heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. Jesus is near. Jesus can help you with that. It's not a religious thing. Jesus is here for you. Jesus can see you through it. Don't give up. Heal the sick. Talk about Jesus. That's it. Or show them Jesus. So let's say you're in children's ministry. Right? What does that look like? It means to tie their shoes so they don't trip and tell them a Bible story. That's it. Fill their juice cup. Tell them a Bible story. If they're having a tough time at home and you can sense that, pray for them. Tell them you're there for them. And tell them a Bible story. That's that's all it is. And you've done kingdom work. You've been Jesus. You've you've arrived. And before you've seen all of the fruit. And before you've seen everything gone. you've, you've, You've gone before Jesus until Jesus shows up. That's all it is. And it doesn't matter what you say. You don't have to have it all down. I mean, I, I, I talk to people so many times and, um, you know, you, you'd think that as a pastor, I have all this knowledge of the Bible and, um, and I do. But when I'm talking to people, I'm rarely talking to them that way. I'm finding out about them. What's going on? How, oh, man. And then I just share my story. I don't share... And half the time when I quote the Bible, I don't even quote it the way the Bible says it. I change it all into my own words, okay? So I'm, I'm misquoting the Bible even. But I just talk about, man, this is, what, this is what's helped me, okay? I'm not going to preach to you or anything. I'm just going to tell you what helped me. I've been through similar things, and for me it was Jesus. That's what changed my life. And, and here's the thing about the Bible that I found in my own life. The more I can read it and do it, the more I become like Jesus and the better off I am and the better off the, my loved ones are. That's it. I didn't quote a scripture. I didn't do anything. Because all my job is to show up and to talk to them and wait for Jesus to arrive. Wait for the Holy Spirit to arrive. And you'll see so many people in your life, if you just are willing to begin to stand back a little bit and see your life as a, as a kingdom mission, that you are the other's. That you are not the 12 disciples, you're not Jesus, you're just, you're the others. That God has placed into his harvest, his, his field, to say, this is where I want you to harvest, right here, at this job, in that cubicle. And I just want you to be Jesus until I show up in their lives. I want you to be Jesus until the Holy Spirit shows up in their lives. I, I, uh, there's been a few people, they've come back to me and they said, man, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I was listening to this preacher and this happened. And man, the God just, like what we've been talking about, God just, you know, man, I, I've just started following Jesus. And, 
and, and it's like my, this pastor, and I'm like, man, that was me over coffee. That wasn't that pastor. I was the one that told you that, right? right? I'm starting to get like territorial. Like, that was my harvest. It's his harvest, right? And so this person through, we just, we're just placeholders until all of a sudden the light goes off and they go, man, this is awesome. So here's one of the reasons why I don't think you need to worry about what you say and what you do. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, it's not about you. It's about me getting to them. It's about me entering into their lives. It's about them following me, not following you. Your job is just to go. Don't worry about the purse. Don't worry about the bag. Don't worry about how many verses you know. Don't worry about how long you've been doing this. Don't worry about any of that. Just be where you are and bring healing and show them to Jesus. It's the only job, it's the only job we have. So, it's so funny. My, the verse that I had, I thought I fixed my slides, but I didn't. Uh, I don't even have on here because they're so excited when they come back. They're so excited. They say this, Lord. It's almost like they're saying, well, again, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll make up my own Bible verse. Lord, you're never going to guess what happened. You're, you're never going to guess. You're never gonna, you sent us to this place. And I know you had a whole bunch of different things you wanted to do, but get, just go ahead, go ahead, guess. And, you know, Jesus is like, demons left when you said my name. Totally. That's all we said. We said, Jesus, we said, talk to the demon. And we said, Jesus, and then, then they, they ran off. Now, listen, again, in our context, probably not going to happen, depending on which kids are over in children's ministry. Okay. <laughs> so... Sorry, that was, a, that was a cheap, cheap shot. When you see how Jesus can use the others, and the reason we call this thanks a lot is because there's a sense of thanksgiving to God. All I did was this one little thing, and then Jesus showed up, and it made all the difference. And so they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons fled in your name. And he says, this is so cool. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I don't know if he's saying, oh, that's nothing. I've seen Satan fall. I don't think he's saying it that way. I think he's going, man, you guys did really, really, really good work. My prayer for you is that you would Maybe think to yourself, am I, am I even participating? Am I engaged? As it relates to my time, am I engaged in kingdom work? As it relates to my finances, am I engaged in kingdom work? As it relates to my attitude, as it relates to how I spend my life, what my goals are, am I engaged in kingdom work? Am I waiting till I retire? I mean, don't get me wrong, it'll, it'll be great when you retire and I'm, thank you for all that you'll do. But what about tomorrow? What about the day after that? Paul says this to his church. I love this. He says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, 
always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Now, why would he thank them? Why would he say, I'm, every time I think about you, I'm just so stoked, is basically what he's saying. He says this, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, you're bought in. You're not just on the team. You're not just wearing the hat. You're up at the plate taking a swing, going, okay, I might strike out. I might get hit by a ball. I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. 